Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. But what this weather did not provide is a shadow or reason to hide. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day. An early spring is on the way. Hallelujah. Phil did not see a shadow on no. this February 2nd morning. We saw the sun yesterday. Now the groundhog, Gosh. one of the weirdest traditions in the country. He did not see a shadow. So now, six or early early spring here. What What's the accuracy of this? I don't know. How can it be accurate at all? They literally grab a groundhog, pull him out, and then like, uh, oh, oh he, he spoke to us. Look at this scroll. Yeah. And read off this thing that he's. That's probably Sonic Scrooge, but I think it's dumb. But hey, whatever makes people happy, I mean, believe what you want to believe. That is James were, Scrooge were, Boyd here on this Friday morning in front of Andy Sweeney. Well, I mean, is yeah. it even the same groundhog? It's no, just like, no. Oh, wait. Well, no, it's we're like, on like, yeah, this is like, you know, Butler Blue or, you know, <laughs> what, what's what's the Georgia dog? Yeah. <laughs> there was one a couple of years ago where he died, and I'm like, well, if that's like a prophecy, that's not very good. Like, yeah, that, that, can't bl- be, that can't be ideal. Do we have a blizzard in late February <laughs> that year? I'm starting to look, and this is very premature, but if you look at your weather app here, again, the worst app on the entire phone, the Apple weather app, I'm seeing temps very high late into next week. Fingers crossed that will bleed into the next week as the NBA All-Star game. Of course, those well, look, festivities I take it back. I take it back. Start coming up. What, two weeks from tonight, Rising Stars game? Yep, right? I think Benedict Matherin will be participating. Sure. Uh huh. Yeah, I saw Jay Nivey from a local standpoint. I believe Oscar Shibway got one of the G League nominations for that as well. So we'll talk a little All Star coming up in the nine o'clock hour. Ebony Armstrong, one of the directors of events, uh, she'll share um, some I think events outside of just the big three. I think we all know about the big three, but what else can we see? You know, affordability is certainly a big question. So we'll do that coming up. At 9.30. Again, a rough one last night from the Pacers in the sense of it got away from them in the fourth quarter. They had a big lead throughout. They got pummeled on the offensive glass. And some questions about Tyrese Halliburton and the managing of those minutes. 22 minutes played. Again, I don't think the argument is much on how much he's playing. It's how you spread out those minutes. He did not play in the fourth quarter last night. The Pacers scored 21 points and that lead got away from him. We'll play some Rick Carlisle audio coming up. Uh, James, the name Isaiah Rogers has not been one on the forefront of my brain for quite some time. Again, James Boyd in today for Andy Sweeney. Uh, for those thinking Isaiah Rogers, yeah, what? Who is that again? Colts cornerback busted for betting on the NFL back in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, sus- suspended by the league, I guess indefinitely. Right? Was yes. the first uh, announcement. The Colts ended up cutting him. He has since signed with the Eagles. Um, so if he gets reinstatement, he will be with Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. You know, looking back on it, and Isaiah had a bit of a tell-all yesterday and had a pretty hefty bet on one Jonathan Taylor, and we will explain more here in a few minutes. But when I saw this story yesterday, James, credit to the Andy Star for, for, for getting the excerpt from outside the lines, I was reminded just how much of a golden opportunity <laughs> Isaiah Rogers wasted this season for the Colts. What was arguably the Colts' biggest issue this season? Cornerback. Do you remember the Tony Brown game? Oh, my gosh. I do. I mean, I mean, he would have been a day one starter. Yes. And he actually probably would have been pretty good. I mean, we can talk about... I thought he about, had some nice moments. Yeah, he had some talent, and he showed some promise at the end of the 2022 season, whereas this season coming in, you had Daryl Baker Jr. starting, who probably isn't a starting caliber cornerback, Dallas Flowers. Yeah, there, there's no probably about Juju Brents. Yeah. All those things. I mean, I think that you would have had a surefire every week starting cornerback in Isaiah Rogers. And sure, he still needed to, you know, cement himself. But again, I thought there were some nice moments from him in his first couple of years. Not only did the suspension and cut meant he forewent 
2.2 million for the final year of his rookie deal. Ooh-wee. But think about, you know, what the contract year could have been like. I mean, this is a guy that again had made less than a million through his first three years, and as long as he had, I think, a nice season, I think he could have either been brought back here or brought back elsewhere. Um, so this clip again is from outside the lines and Isaiah Rogers with a bit of a tell all, and specifically he explains in here a one thousand dollar bet placed from his account on one Jonathan Taylor. Isaiah, why did you start betting on sports? I just trying to help friends and family out, just knowing that it wasn't legal at the time in Florida and it was in Indiana. So I was just really going about it of just trying to help them out and help them do things they couldn't do down here, which was illegal at the time. Isaiah, do you think you have a gambling problem? No, no. I know for sure I don't. Had you ever gambled before this experience? No. To be clear, you're saying you were placing bets on behalf of other people. Correct. It's been reported that you bet upwards of 100 times, mm-hmm. betting 25 to 50 bucks, including a bet or bets on your own team, yeah. the Colts at the time. Is that true? The 25 to $50 bets are exactly true, but it was more of crazy leg parlays with just $25 trying to make a crazy amount, like just funny bets, nothing too serious. It's just a huge mistake on my part. It was also reported that you placed a $1,000 prop bet on the over-under rushing yards, by which we presume was Jonathan Taylor. Yep. That's a bet you won. Is that report true? That report is true with it being $1,000, but that wasn't made from my device. During the time it was placed, I was actually on the field warming up for a game. So you're saying somebody else used your account to place that $1,000 bet on Jonathan Taylor's over-under rushing? That bet wasn't directly Isaiah Rogers placing that bet. Boy, quite the 2020 feel to that one there. John Barr from ESPN. <laughs> it's like true crime music. Outside the yeah, lines. Yeah, I'm about to say, what, what are we talking about here? When you, no. when, you throw in the, trunk? when you throw in the first name of like Isaiah, do you have a gambling problem? I always feel, oh my gosh, I'm like on the edge of my seat watching that there. Uh, James, I guess that was the first time you've, you've heard that entire clip, correct? Yeah, first time. Okay, your just overall thoughts, reaction to that. When you ask someone if they have a gambling problem... And he says no, but there's hundreds of bets that were placed. You don't have a solution, at least not in that moment. So I don't know what to think about that. And also, I thought the answer about, you know, who placed the bet on JT. It wasn't me. I was on the field. It was someone else. But, okay, how did they know whether whether to bet the over or the under? And now this airs, I believe, actually it airs today. 7 a.m. and then later on 2 p.m. the full thing which I'm curious to watch but I don't understand how someone else has access to your account if you were the one trying to place bets for them it's just a lot of other things I need answered I'll say that yeah and uh for those that watch the clip I I, I hate to be the body language police I, I didn't scream a lot of remorse in the face of Isaiah Rogers in that piece there Um, We talked about this a little bit early in the show, but I think this is the question for the NFL moving forward. It's not necessarily like you're betting on your team win or loss. Isaiah Rogers is what, you know, he's on the field for, you know, 20 some snaps in a game as a special teamer. Like there's almost so much control you can have, but it's this thing where Isaiah Rogers is behind closed doors at practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He sees the health of guys. He sees how involved they are in a game plan He knows the game plan focus for that week on each side of the ball. And when you get into player prop bets, James, I guarantee you, you field a ton of questions on a weekly basis. Hey, man, thinking about Alec Pierce or other wideout this week, what do you think his role is going to be? Man, and it's crazy. People that I haven't talked to in years, parents of children I used to cover (laughs) in Northwest Indiana who – Remember that Crown Point Lowell game? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and they're like, hey, how you doing? And, you know, Johnny's doing well or whatever. And then they ask you who's starting. And so I can imagine that players get a ton of those same questions. But that's, to me, when you just have to draw that line. Is those 
$25, bets, crazy leg par- parlays, or the $1,000 bet that someone placed on JT, is that worth the millions that you could make as a, at minimum, I think Isaiah Rodgers is a rotational cornerback in the NFL, and at maximum, he could be a starter, you know, given his, you know, athleticism, ball skills, all those things. Is that worth what you could make in the long term and just, just your reputation because that follows you. You're sure. viewed as someone who doesn't take anything serious when you clearly did not take it serious enough to not risk that, especially because of what happened to Calvin Ridley. Had that not happened before, I'd probably feel differently about Isaiah Rogers and others, but you saw someone lose an entire season and then you come right back and you're, and then, and you know, not the clip that was played, but what I've read, he says, Oh, I just thought I could get away with that. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, a big deal. What? And, and that's the stupidity factor, James, that I just can't get away from. And I know that's kind of a harsh word to use, and I feel bad using it. Isaiah Rogers has always been, you know, a nice dude to me. But just knowing what was at stake and the risk that, you know, it, if you want to get technical here, James, it's not like he was. Pro- I I don't know. Maybe he was. It's not like he's profiting off these bets. You know, it's not like he was, what, whatever, making money. Off of it, um, yeah, I'll be very curious to see how just the general public reacts to the full outside the lines clip, yeah, I mean, as you said, and then you know if he gets reinstatement and what his future looks like with the Eagles. Here's a quote again, tributed to Any Star for getting the advanced copy of the, you know, the tape or whatever or the ESPN outside the lines report. But he says, "I question myself too. I thought I were probably, I thought I probably wouldn't get caught. I wouldn't get in trouble." I was just being a good-hearted person trying to help people. It will never happen again, never. You thought you wouldn't get caught. I don't think people realize, KB, how FBI-ish the NFL can be. They don't play. Well, especially with this. They, At it, all. If we're going to partner in the gambling world, which the NFL has obviously opened yes. up that that massive Pandora's box here in the last couple of years, then there's going to be a lot of behind-the-scenes regulations that they will be able to very quickly decipher yeah. who and where and what these bets look so, like. And that's why you've seen you know, several players busted here over the last, whatever, 12 months or so. Yeah, I remember being on a Zoom call about this where they basically explained the NFL, that is, explained the rules of gambling to us, the media, as if we were players. And they were talking about how they geolocate your phones. And so they know where the phones are, where your phone is. Basically, if you're at the complex. Yeah, they know. You and can't bet, yeah. They know if you're, if you're doing it at your house. They know these things. And even if, you know, you're at your home and someone places a bet on a game that you might be involved in, they're going to be asking, okay, whose phone is that? Like, that's how deep it goes. And so, again, to say, I thought I could get away with it, why or how did you think that? And I guess, first off, I think the fact of just don't bet should be enough. Like, Oh, absolutely. That, 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 that that's what EJ Speed said. Clear. He was like, I'm not, I'm yeah. not risking it. I just won't bet anything ever. And that's right. a smart approach, honestly. It's not worth it. EJ saying, to that, uh, saying that to us right after the Rodgers news came out. But if whatever, if it is, you know, it is tempting. I'm not going to lie. Like it, it, it's got to be tempting for these <laughs> yeah. guys. So to your point, and I don't know the logistics behind this, but if you're the NFL, then you partner with all of these gambling apps. And to a degree, you say, all right, we need to geolocate to where these guys cannot even open their app up if they're at this location. Remove the NFL off of their gambling app. So when they open it up, Sure, they want to bet on Butler Creighton tonight. Have at it. They want to get Pacers Kings action going. Have at it. Like to me, it's it, it can be it, it can start to snowball into such a black eye for the NFL if these stories continue to be there and if they continue to grow. That you need to save face. You need to get a get a handle on the public relations aspect to it because all of a sudden, if this goes two ways and. Isaiah Rogers tells his buddy in Florida, says, hey, man, Taylor hasn't practiced all week. I know they list him as questionable. The guy, or they list him as limited. The guy does one rep and he's out. And then his buddy in Florida is plays with whatever. His good friend plays with the Bucks, and he's telling his Bucks defender that that's where you lose the integrity, which I think the parody of the NFL is why it's so attractive to so many people. Absolutely. And I think to your point, when you mentioned that there were bets placed on the NFL games, that's the one thing that you can't bet on. Unlike other employees of the Colts in the NFL, 
players can bet on other right. leagues. But if you work in the Colts ticketing department, exactly, you cannot bet like, even on the Masters or March Madness. Exactly. And I know our listeners know J.J. Stefanski, Lara Overton, like they don't have a chance to bet on anything. Right. And they're not even athletes. Yeah. So they can't even bet on, you know, an IU game or something Matt like Taylor's that. Matt Taylor's not betting on Trey Galloway's over-under. Exactly. And so, again, I think when you're given sort of that leeway, it does sort of open up Pandora's box because you could just say don't bet on anything, but the players will never, at least I don't think that they would agree to that. And I think, you know, I have to go back and read about it or look at my old stuff, but I don't even think there's like a concrete rule in place where there's like some players have to be allowed to bet on other things. It's like this sort of head nod agreement that, okay, we'll let them bet on other things other than the NFL if that makes them more, I guess, happy, if that makes sense. So um, it is, to me, it just seems like a very dumb thing to do because of all the eyes and attention on you and because, I mean, if there's anyone they're going to make an exception for, it's not going to be Isaiah Rogers. I mean, we'll see if it ever happens with a star player. It hasn't happened to that degree yet. Right, Calvin Ridley, probably the biggest name. Probably James the biggest Williams name. Williams maybe would fall exactly on but, that list. I don't know, man. And it also speaks to just the era of gambling and how it is ingrained in our society now. Like, I don't think – I'm 28. When I was in college, we weren't, like, betting a ton. I mean, there were a couple of bets you would make and stuff like that. But now I think that it's just, like, normal. Right. And you kind of grow up in that. And if you notice, the people who usually get caught up with this stuff in the NFL are never, like – you know, 33-year-old veterans, they're usually younger guys who have just gotten into the NFL and probably are used to betting just throughout their, you know, adolescence and, and early adulthood to the point where they're like, oh, wait, I can't do that anymore? So, tough. If you're looking to bet tonight on the Pacers-Kings game, Kings are a slight <laughs> like <the> favorite <laughs> in that one. Mark, if you don't mind, let's cue up that Rick Carlisle clip again. I know it's a little bit of a long one, but easily the most popular question, and again, to me, the Pacers lost last night, James, because they just got beat the you-know-what on the glass. They just got dominated in getting to loose balls, offensive rebounds, 24 of them for the Knicks last night. But the other question was, where was Tyrese Halliburton in the fourth quarter? Uh, 22 minutes again for him, staggered throughout the first, second, and third. He exited midway through the third, just like Tuesday night, did not re-enter the game. It was a very, I would say, frustrated and confused Rick Carlisle last night's when Dustin DePierre tried to ask him why no fourth quarter minutes for Tyrese. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about minutes, but he's he's doing well. If I could ask real quick, like he obviously hasn't come back in the fourth every time. Is that kind of a standard thing? Is it just because of him sitting after the third, not wanting to get the hamstring back up? We're day we're day to day, and you know, where I'm not going to talk about you know minute um, minute restrictions or minute limits before any game. That would be foolish. And you understand. I mean, right. I wouldn't ask you before. I was asking after seeing. No, but you're asking about tomorrow. And no, I'm, not. I'm just asking. I'm asking about tonight. I'm asking about tonight. I'm asking. Yeah, there's a range of minutes, you know, for tonight, and he was firmly at that range, and so it's it's almost identical to the first night. Um, but that's it. So you know, um, he's progressing. He's doing well, but you know, I you you never know. Um, until the next day, you know. So we got to travel home and, and all that. We got a game tomorrow. So, you know, we'll see where we are tomorrow with him. And we got some other guys that are a little banged up too. Again, pretty confused Rick Carlisle last night, I think, and what Dustin was asking him just specifically. If you look at the 22 minutes, James, it's not the number of minutes. It's more of can you take the, the different segments? You know, he plays six minutes here and he plays four minutes here and he plays six here. Can you take one of those? And can you put one of those in the fourth quarter? Because if you look at it last night, you could make certainly a case that among the offensive rebounding issues, that was a big issue, not having your star out there. Yeah, you needed your closer. I think that that honestly felt like a playoff game, at least the end of it. And when the game slows down, you need your dude to just be better than the other dude sometimes. And obviously there's scheme involved plays, but a lot of times just watching NBA over the years, it comes down to, we can give the ball to our dude and he can lead us home. You can't do that the entire game because it's just not sustainable for a lot of players, you know, outside of some of the, you know, greatest who ever played the game. But when it's winning time, 
you need Halliburton in there to close it. And I just feel like they didn't have the opportunity last night. Get very interested to see what the playtime looks like for him on a back-to-back and how they do stagger those minutes if they change things up at all coming tonight. Uh, the rare occurrence where I think Mike Woodson, Matt Painter, and Micah Shrewsbury were all in the same high school gym here in Indiana last night. No one better to ask than Greg Rakestraw about that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We'll do that next. All right, 8 o'clock hour here to round out the week. Kevin Bowen, James Boyd in for Andy Sweeney, and Mark Dykton. Our next guest, I, I'd probably be foolish to act like he has any if, or I should say many if any nights off, but I would assume last night was maybe one of the rare Thursday night boys high school nights that he was working. It's girls sectionals this weekend, so Greg Rakestraw, I'm going to guess at a boys game last night. Rake, is that correct? Lawrence North and Carmel and LN losing for the first time this season. That is correct, sir. So Carmel's turned it around here as of late. Big time. Uh, they just beat back-to-back teams that were ranked number one that were undefeated in terms of Fishers and Lawrence North, uh, which says a lot about Carmel. It also says a lot about the season in boys basketball. Other way to look at last night is that both the county champs and the city champs lost. Addicts lost at Brownsburg last night, 49-44. So this is truly shaping up to be a sectionals getting into the month of March where I think anything can happen. And while there is a definitive, um, you know, set of teams I think that are better than most, another result that certainly deserves discussion is Kokomo thumped Cathedral last night, one by 17 up in Kokomo. And that's big because, you know, Kokomo kind of has a chance to play a good amount of the Indy area schools in terms of these one-off events and special games, the Hall of Fame Classic, you know, that took place in November and December. They don't have as many of those chances on their schedule in January and February. So I thought that was a big win for Kokomo last night as well. So last month of the season is now underway, and uh, I think carnage, you know, could happen by the time we get to February the 27th. So, Greg, I had a chance to kind of stalk you at the Hall of Fame Classic a few weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) when you were in action, and – for those who haven't seen This was Flory, allowed, I would hope. Yeah, yes, it was allowed. Okay. Uh, well, allowed by me, put it like that. <laughs> I didn't really ask for permission. I don't think stalkers do that. <laughs> but um, Flory, obviously he is an extreme talent, but what have you seen from him just character-wise? Because I was very impressed with how he carried himself in those games and probably throughout the season considering that he does get beat up a lot and he still will not lose it like most high schools probably would. He is such a great kid. He smiles so much more than most other top-level players. <laughs> um, th- there are times when I almost would say he's too good of a kid, sometimes out there on the floor. In other words, it's okay for him to be more aggressive and look for his own shot, but he rarely takes a bad shot because of that. And when we'd have these conversations last year, I would tell people, listen, as a shot blocker, as a rebounder, and as a passer – he is a major Division One talent now. The offensive game is still a work in progress. And I remember, and I, and I don't know if it was one of the Hall of Fame games or one of the games, I think it was one of the Phil Cox games that I did, their tournament that was played the weekend before, and he hits a 15-foot jump shot. And I think I said on the air basically some variation of, looks like Happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and, and that's, you know, he had a, he had a beautiful post. I saw a couple of highlights from last night's game about a 10-foot shot, had his signature dunk or dunks as he always had. Um, again, I, I think Mr. Basketball is a two-man race, and I'm not sure it's really a two-man race. Jack Benner's really good. I think it should be Flory Badunga uh, that, that wins Mr. Basketball. He is a tremendous player, and he's a really good kid. He's someone that, unless he's playing against your team, I think he's very easy to root for. <laughs> Again, Greg Rakestraw is with us here, ISC Sports Network. A lot of boys' games last night, high school-wise. Girls' sectional weekend is here. 
Rake, uh, I, I'm sure the Thursday night aspect had something to do with it, but there were various reports out there that down in southern Indiana at Heritage Hills last night, and I hope I'm saying the last name right, is it Sisley? You got it. Okay, Trent Sisley, all right. Uh, top 50 kid in the junior class for their game against Boonville. You had Mike Woodson, Matt Painter, and Micah Shrewsbury all in the building. <laughs> Obviously, these dudes recruit a lot. Obviously, they're in person a lot. I would say it's probably pretty rare that the schedules have matched up to where the three, and again, I say major, you know, Butler certainly could probably call themselves sure. that as well. But to have those three head coaches in one gym, let alone it be at Heritage Hills, I'm going to guess that hasn't happened too often in the history of the state. The last time that I think those the coaches of those three schools got together, Bob Knight, Gene Cady, and Digger Phelps were filming a Coca-Cola commercial. I think the last <laughs> time that, that happened. Um, I mean, you're right, uh, but it also shows you how good that kid is. And again, the, the the junior class in this state is just stupid good. You've got Sisley, you've got Mullins, and Mike Woodson was was visiting Braylon Mullins at Greenfield Central. Early this week, I mean, he had 51 in a game last Friday night. He was one of the IBC players of the year, or the week, I should say. Um, you know, Xavier Robinson, the Lawrence North Point guard, who in even in the defeat for LN last night, he had, uh, I want to say, 20 or 22 points, I, th- I think, at the conclusion uh, of that game last night. So, and, and there's others. You know, there, there's a player named, you know, Maximus, or Max is the older brother, Julius Gizzi. Um, I saw him last Wednesday he had 36 of New Pals 48. So there's player after player like that in the junior class in the state of Indiana. And Sisley is amongst the tops of that group. Uh, Dad played at Southeast Missouri. Older brother spent time at both Evansville and Wright State. Um, he can really play. Are we talking like a little, I, I don't know, Gordon Haywardy feel to his game? How would you, how would you kind of describe him? You know, modern players, they're, they're also well-rounded. You know, that, that's, again, going back to Florida, it's part of what has made his development unique in that, you know, because we've literally seen him learn to play the game from an offensive standpoint while he's in high school, you know, he's not a great three-point shooter. Everybody else, whether you're 5'9 or 6'9, you know, probably has some level of an outside game. So he is an inside-out player, and there is something to, you know, again, having older brother and dad be high-level players as well. Because the lab is your backyard, and, and you're always having to go up against great competition and bigger competition from a young age going forward. So he does a little bit of everything in his game. So, Greg, I have to ask, how legit is Lawrence North girls? Because I saw them play early in the year. They smacked – Stephen Thomas, head coach. Legend. Yeah, Bedford North Lawrence, um, the defending state champ in 4A, I believe – but how legit are they? Because I was very impressed with what I saw early on from them. They've been playing pretty well this year, obviously. And they just seem to have a team full of dogs, is how I would describe it. They are outstanding, and they could be done by the end of the night because they're playing number one LC this evening. And that is the <laughs> game that we're going to showcase on ISC and my TV from the Kevin Bowen Gymnasium at Cathedral High School. They've named it after you at this point, right? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Legend. I think, I think they named like one of the, uh, maybe the stalls after <laughs> me. Something about, I think your name was written on a wall someplace there. Sure. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, those two teams are both top 10. And, and JB, you're absolutely correct. I had, I saw LM play two weeks ago when they beat Hamilton Southeastern, who was one of the best teams in the state and number one at that time. LC has that ranking now. A, it's LC and LN. You know, there are a few rivalries like that one in the area where it's the two township schools going at it, and normally your season is based on how you do against that team. LC is the first-time Marion County champs. LC is looking for a first sectional title since 87 and a second in program history. They, too, have a ridiculously talented team, not as deep as Lawrence North. Most of, of their talent is concentrated in their starters, but with the Lampley sisters, Layla Abdur-Rakib, their point guard, they can really play. When the two teams have gotten together in the Marion County Tournament and their regular season game January the 11th, the combined margin of victory for LC in those two games has been five points. If you go back to last year, the last four times they have played, the combined margin of victory has been seven points. So both the LC and LN girls are outstanding 
and they play each other tonight at 7.30 at Cathedral High School. Ooh, that is a juicy, juicy one here on ISC. Again, Greg Rakestraw will have the call on that one. Rake, I want to shift gears a little bit here. I think it's the, and I don't know, we might have another one in March, but I think it's fair to say we're going to get the Missouri Valley game of the year tomorrow night in Terre Haute, <laughs> and we're going to get the Big Ten game of the year Sunday in Madison. Um, again, Purdue and Wisconsin, they meet again, and for Indiana State and Drake, it is a rematch, but these two games are monumental. Let's start with the one in Terre Haute, um, a win for Indiana State means what resume-wise and a loss to Drake, a season sweep by Drake would mean what to Indiana State? Well, first of all, just to compare the two games, you're right, they're massive, but the ramifications are so much bigger for the game on Saturday. Purdue and Wisconsin are going to be NCAA tournament teams. Um, Purdue would have to be on a free fall to not be a number one seed at this point. And again, what's really important for Purdue, winning the Big Ten is nice, winning the Big Ten tournament is nice, but it's being the number one seed that goes through Indianapolis and has that tournament path of Indianapolis then to Detroit. That's what Purdue's playing for at this point. In terms of Indiana State and Drake, they're both good enough where they're starting to get conversations about not having to win Arch Madness to be a tournament team. Um, I, and obviously, I, I think Drake, because they won the first meeting, has a little more wiggle room on that front than does Indiana State. Um, it's not impossible if Indiana State loses to Drake and then, say, wins out and then maybe loses to them again in the, in the, in the Missouri Valley Tournament, maybe, maybe they're an at-large team, and they are helped by the fact that the Big Ten is down this year. They're helped by the fact that the ACC is down this year. They're helped by the fact that the Pac-12 is so bad they're not going to exist next year. Um, And so that helps Indiana State's cause. Winning against Drake goes a heck of a long way to being the Missouri Valley Conference regular season champion and, again, would be as impressive as a win as they have on their resume. So I I think their chances of being an at-large team are helped significantly by a win on Saturday, but I think both the staffs, Indiana State and Drake, would tell you they're not exactly banking on getting in a large bid. They know they have to win three consecutive games in St. Louis that first weekend in March to probably be NCAA tournament ready. So, Greg, I want to wrap up here with a team that is very famous here in Indiana, the Milan. 1954 team, which was well before I was born, but you're going to be moderating their 70th anniversary of that championship game, Bobby Plump, the Milan Miracle, all those things. How honored are you to always be a part of those moments and and maybe commemorating those moments for a basketball-crazed state that obviously is going to host All-Star Weekend here in a couple weeks? Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thrilled. Um, and there was one event that I couldn't do about seven years ago that was the 30th anniversary of the movie that was obviously spawned by the Milan Miracle in Hoosiers. And I got an ask from the folks at the Hoosier gym, hey, we're doing this 30th anniversary get-together. We want you to be the MC." And it was on a Saturday night in September, and I had an Indy 11 game. And I finished the conversation with, hey, please you know, ask me for in the future – because as soon as this phone call is over, 10-year-old me is going to kick my butt. <laughs> um, and so kind of a similar thing here. And I, and I use that 10-year-old reference because that's the age that I was when Hoosiers came out. And so that's when I kind of learned about the story of Milan. And so, you know, growing up here in Indiana, you know, everybody, because of the movie especially, now learns about Milan and Bobby Plump and Ray Kraft and the story that keeps on going. And so I am I'm honored to be asked to, uh, you know, kind of emcee this event. This is going to be a day-long celebration in Milan. And in addition to, you know, the high school and the gymnasium, which is where the ceremony will take place at 11 o'clock, the, a big part of the impetus behind this is to raise more awareness for the Milan Museum. There is a museum dedicated in that town to everything that occurred in that 54 season. And then a lot of Hoosiers memorabilia has ended up in that museum as well. Milan54.org is where you can find out more. But there will be a, a panel discussion, 
very much several noted speakers, either that will be there in person or will be sending in video tributes. So um, trust me, I'll see the guy that's in charge of keeping the trains moving. I am far from the star attraction that will be there that day. And that is the date that normally would be the Boys State Finals. But because of the NCAA first and second rounds being at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, that is the week break in the high school tournament. So we'll play the semi-states March 16th. State finals won't take place until March 30th. That'll also be the day in between the NCAA tournament action. So it's a Friday-Sunday site is Indianapolis. So on Saturday, if you're looking for something to do, make the trip south on I-74. Uh, go to the Milan exit, which I think is exit 156. Hang a right. You'll be there in about 10 minutes. And just look for the crowds because I'm pretty sure we're going to triple the population of Milan <laughs> on that Saturday afternoon. Rick, I'm so lucky um, to be married to Maddie Lubbers, but the one time that I didn't necessarily feel an immense amount of pride in that was when we got a flat tire um, last year just south of that exit you mentioned, and as we're calling around to various, you know, hey, we need help pouring down rain on 74, um, she pronounced it as, uh, we are just south of the Milan exit. <laughs> Look, I had to learn the Hobart... Hobart thing. Oh man, yeah. it was yeah. It, it has to. If we, if we ever have questions, there, we just contact. Just remember, <laughs> you know, James with a very region problem. That everybody in the region knows how to say. But those of us, you know, once you go to college with somebody from Hobart, that sticks in your brain. Yep. Going forward. Brickies. But when in doubt, Hoosierize the pronunciation. <laughs> Milan, Versailles. Dubois County, especially south of US 50, that is always the play. That is very, very smart advice there from the one and only, the National Broadcaster of the Year, uh, the Indiana Broadcaster of the Year. That is Greg Rake. So, Rake, have a great one tonight, uh, LNLC. And as always, man, enjoy these Friday conversations. Thank you. You got it. And JB, you are not stalking me. It's always cool when you follow me to high school basketball <laughs> games. No problem with that whatsoever. Much appreciated. Thanks, Rake. See ya. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Some more cult stuff coming up in the 9 o'clock hour and again more on the Tyrese Halliburton handling of his minutes. Rick Carlisle, a bit head-scratching last night listening to some of those comments. Pacers-Kings coming up tonight at 7.30. Again, James Boyd in for Andy Sweeney as we close out this Friday and we look ahead to a week from today and certainly a week from Sunday and Super Bowl 58 with one of our favorites. He is the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can find him on social at Ross Tucker NFL and he was on the sidelines for CBS and Westwood One for the AFC title game and Ross joins us now. Ross, good Friday morning to you, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Always good to talk with you guys. Thanks for having me. Let's rewind to Sunday in Baltimore. I I thought Kansas City set the tone from the deferring to the three and out to Travis Kelsey's come to play with the fourth and – I think it was a fourth and two maybe, and then obviously the opening drive touchdown. What did you think in particular about just the start of that game, a little chippy pregame, and how Kansas City kind of told Baltimore, yeah, we we are here to play? No doubt about it. And they kind of took the crowd out of it, which I thought was really important because the week before the Texans had five false starts and actually there had been 19 in Baltimore this year, a league high. And there's no doubt they set the tone physically too. I mean, the Ravens tried to run a couple times. They got stuffed. It's almost like they got spooked. And at least those first couple drives, the Chiefs were able to run it pretty well with Pacheco, too. It was a lot of Pacheco and a lot of Kelsey. And what happened with those first two drives, at least from my perspective, is it felt like they were sort of able to get the Ravens out of their game. And that's the thing that would bother me so much if I was a Ravens player, is that it's like they didn't lose doing what they do best. You know, everybody loses games, but you kind of want to go down doing your thing. I had Greg Cosell, the NFL Films legend, on the Raw Sucker Football podcast yesterday, 
Do you know that the Ravens were 63% three wide receivers in the game? Mm. I mean, that, they're a team that had a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of 21 personnel, which is Ricard, the big fullback and a tight end. They went out of character. And by the way, the receivers are the worst part of the Ravens offense, and the corners might be the best part of the Chiefs defense. So what are we even doing? I mean, what, like, and no designed runs for Lamar Jackson. They had one, and he popped it. I, I was, uh, and I'm a big Todd Munkin fan, and I talked to him for a while before the game. I would love to know, like, what the logic was or why they did what they did, because I, I don't understand it other than, you know, the Chiefs scored the first two drives, and maybe they thought, oh, boy, it's going to be a shootout. Or maybe it's because they were down by whatever it was, 10 at halftime, and they're like, oh, man, we're down by two scores. It just felt like they totally got out of character. Ross, you are preaching the good gospel here this Friday because this is what I was yelling at my TV um, the other day. (laughs) But I do want to ask, they still had to face a Chiefs team that I think at this point, you just can never count out if they have Patrick Mahomes back there throwing the ball. Can you maybe speak to what we're seeing from him relative to what is defined as greatness in the NFL? I don't know if we've ever seen this before where a guy this young has been this successful outside of Tom Brady, but just seeing this maybe modern version of it and maybe even a souped-up version of him as an individual being able to run and throw. Well, there's no question that Mahomes is off to the best start of any quarterback in NFL history. Now, in terms of, like, I see these people talking about the greatest of all time. Well, listen, he's got a long way to go (laughs) with Brady. I mean, Brady gets you on the longevity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is if you think about it, Brady did it with, like, three different groups of people. Right. You know, he did it with like Vrabel and McGinnis and those guys and won three Super Bowls. Then he did it with Gronk and Edelman and won three Super Bowls. And then he went to Tampa and won one. So I'll be curious to see what Mahomes can still do when Kelsey's gone, because that's coming soon at some point. And then I don't know how much longer Andy Reid's going to do it. So Mahomes might have to try to catch Brady without Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, to which I would say, you know, good luck, because that's going to be really, really tough to do. Although the flip side is, and I know you guys talk about receivers there in India a lot, isn't it wild that everybody wants, like, a star receiver? They're paying them, like, 25 mil a year now. The Chiefs really traded the best receiver in the league, and they are going, and they might win the Super Bowl two years in a row after they're doing that. I mean, that's like that. think about that for a second. But, no, he's off to the – greatest start of any quarterback ever and I was in New England in 05 and 06 till Belichick traded me to Cleveland and uh, the Chiefs are giving me serious Patriots vibes in the sense that twofold number one it just feels like the teams that they play in the playoffs do dumb stuff or or have like the critical error that you can't have and they never do you know, the Chiefs never do, but the other team they're playing, you know, Zay Flowers will get it punched out or, you know, Bass will miss the field goal and stuff. doesn't happen to the Chiefs. It happens to the other team. Same with the Patriots. Lee Evans dropping the ball or Cundiff misses the field goal or whatever. Um, so it reminds me of that quite a bit. And then, you know, I, I know what it was like, guys, to be in New England. When you have a quarterback like Mahomes or Brady, it's just hard to describe. Like, you know you're going to win the game. When you have, I had, I had a good quarterback in Buffalo. I started a bunch of games there with Bledsoe. He was good, and we thought we were going to win the game. And then I had some guys that were not that great, and you're kind of hoping to win the game. But when you have a guy like everybody on that team, when they took the field in Baltimore, they fully expected and knew they were going to win the game because they got the guy. And I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious, but I can't tell you the effect that has on the entire organization when you got the guy. Like, we have the guy. We we have the guy at the most important position. They don't. We're going to win. They're going to lose. 
Yeah, when third and nine rolled around to ice the game, I didn't sit there and say, man, I wonder if they're going to pick it up. I just thought, okay, how will they pick it up? Because I know they're going to do it. <laughs> it's just more of the how and not the if they will. He is Ross Tucker, one of our favorites, can host the Ross Tucker podcast. Follow him on social at Ross Tucker NFL. I want to shift gears to, we saw Dan Quinn uh, with Washington. So now, you know, unless Andy Reid you know, decides to retire, we've got all eight openings filled. Uh, if I ask for your two favorite. What are your two favorite matches for new head coaches and their respective teams? Ooh, good question. Really good question. I got to kind of think of them in my head now a I can, little bit. I, I can rattle them off for our audience. You got Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers. No, no, I know, I know, I know okay. most of them. I, I, I like, I like Harbaugh a lot. Um, you know, you guys probably know this. He's a really strange guy. <laughs> Yes, we know that quite well. He's a really, really strange guy. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, he's been successful wherever he's been. It's hard to argue against him. And honestly, I guess I like the fit because they have a quarterback. Everybody's like, oh, what do you think was the best job? What, What are we even talking about? You know, all the guys that got fired, if you look at it, New England, Washington, Atlanta, Carolina, uh, Raider. I mean, everywhere you're looking, they didn't have a top 20 quarterback. And the reality is, if you don't have a top 20 quarterback, you don't have much of a chance. You're probably going to get fired. So for Harbaugh to go somewhere where they have an unquestioned top 10 guy, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, an unquestioned top 10 guy in Justin Herbert, that seems pretty good to me. So I think that's a good fit. The other guy that I, I just think is awesome is Mike McDonald in Seattle. You know, I mean, I know the Chiefs went down and scored two touchdowns the first two drives. Guys, how about them after that? They got three points. And they got three. We're talking about how we're singing his praises, how great Mahomes is, all that stuff. They got three points the entire rest of the game against Mike McDonald. I thought that was really impressive. The adjustments he made, uh, I, I did a, a couple of Ravens games, talked to him before the game. I, I think that guy's a home run for Seattle. So I would say we'll go off to the West Coast, Seattle and the, and the Chargers. Ross, I'm going to pivot here to the other team that's going to be in the Super Bowl, to the 49ers. And I can hear the excitement in your voice about football, which is awesome to hear. It feels like you probably just go back out there and play or something like that. But I do want to ask – not the Brock Purdy is he a game manager question because that's annoying, but did we see him grow up in that game against Detroit where maybe things weren't going his way, but obviously it just felt like he was the best player on the field there when it mattered the most? Yeah, so what I would say about Purdy is, and it's interesting because I have um, Greg Cosell, the NFL Films legend. He's on, he's on my podcast, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, every single Thursday. And he even said, you know, guys, Purdy didn't play real well. And even late in the game, he made plays with his legs, but he didn't play very well. So I guess the, the, the bad news is he hasn't played particularly well the, the last couple games in the playoffs. The good news is they're still winning, and he plays his best when it matters the most at the end of the game. That's a really good quality. You know, I I know some people don't like wins as a quarterback stat, which I always laugh at. Like, what's the goal, first of all? (laughs) And if we're going to have wins and losses for head coaches, who do you think has more to do with whether you win or lose the game, the head coach or the quarterback? I mean, look look at how much they get paid. The, the, The teams think it's the quarterback. I think it's the quarterback. I mean, if you could give me an average coach and a great quarterback, I would take that over a great coach and an average quarterback any day of the week. So I'm okay with them having the win-loss record attached to their name. And Purdy has has made winning plays late in these games, whereas some guys don't. And we saw Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson. That was one of the worst playoff interceptions I've ever seen in my life. Like with everything going on, you're down by 10. You're going to throw the ball into triple coverage like that on second down? So I think Purdy, uh, even though he hasn't played his best, he's going to have to play his best against the Chiefs, but at least you know that he's clutch and that he can make play his best at the end. 
Ross, do you believe in Groundhog's Day? Do I believe in Groundhog Day? Yeah, aren't you? Um, are you? Do you live in Philly? I guess. Um, no, I live in Pennsylvania, and actually, my wife and some of my buddies have been to Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney. I don't know if you guys know, but they just drink all night and stay up all night <laughs> until the groundhog comes out first thing in the morning. Like everybody there is totally hammered. <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> Neither did I. It's like the biggest party ever. I would love to go sometime. My wife went to Bucknell with some of my high school buddies, which is not that far, so they went one time. No, I don't believe in the Groundhog. I will say this, Groundhog Day is a top 10 movie of all time. I I, I love Bill Murray, and I love that movie. God, that is outstanding insight we're getting from Ross Tucker on and off the field. No (laughs) shadow, by the way, for old Phil on this uh, February 2nd. Uh, All right, last one for me, Ross, and always enjoy it again. Ross Tucker hosts the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can follow him on social, at Ross Tucker NFL. One storyline, one key to a week from Sunday, the front four of San Francisco, how they handle Kelsey, you know, wherever you want to go, what is the one storyline atop the rest for you? All right, so before I forget, I'm going to get called by Baltimore in a second, and I want to make sure all of your listeners get the best Valentine's Day gift ever. It's called MyFrontPageStory.com. It's unbelievable. Like, we're pathetic as men. We, We just are. I literally said to my wife last night, should we just use one of the gift cards I got you for Christmas and go out to dinner for Valentine's Day? Like, how pathetic is that? Love to see the I look on her face. I want to use the Christmas gift card for Valentine's Day. That's why you got to go to myfrontpagestory.com. Both of you guys. I'm telling you, you talk to one of their writers for 10 minutes on the phone while you're driving home from work or whatever. It's called steak and shake out there. And you tell them how great your significant other is. They write this story. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's like framed pictures, cover the indie star. And here's the key. At least once every five years, you got to change it up. Don't be like me. Give it to your wife or whoever and just say, honey, I want to do something special this year. So I had a story written about you. That's my biggest storyline. Baltimore's calling me right now. My biggest storyline for the Super Bowl is when I talked to Travis Kelsey before the game, I should have given him a free My Front Page story to give to Taylor Swift. I'd be rich and never have to talk to any of you people again. MyFrontPageStory.com. MyFrontPageStory.com. Ross, have a great weekend. Thank you. See you, dude.